When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Thursday, November 4th, 2021. I'm Maggie Lake here with Tommy Thornton, who's doing his part to try to support the New York City economy last night for anyone who's following along on Twitter. Hey, Tommy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I'm i not that hungover. Uh, I had a lot of fun um, uh, with my wife and uh, some family. Um, yeah, we had a good time. Yeah, listen, not we need good. everybody... I'm- not too good. Yeah, you're functional, which is good. We need you to be functional to help us out here. And hey, New York City in the news, not only because you were there last night, but a newly elected mayor, Eric Adams, saying he wants his salary for the first three, at least the first three paychecks in Bitcoin and vowing to make New York City a crypto hub. We'll get to that in a little bit. First, let's get a, a market snapshot. U.S. equity markets continue to push higher. The Nasdaq, S&P 500 hitting fresh highs. Dow and Russell lagging a little bit, but we had a lot of momentum. The market's still responding, not only to a dovish Fed, but the Bank of England surprising almost everyone with their decision to leave rates unchanged. Real Vision's Weston Nakamura gives us a wrap of how that message went down overseas. Thanks, Maggie. So Asia equities uh, traded largely green today following FOMC, though not decisively risk on. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you did have a positive move. You had Japan's topics index lead the way up uh, a bit over 1% at the close. Um, this is coming back from a holiday with markets closed uh, in Japan yesterday um, and led by the bank stocks as well as the semiconductor space. Um, but over to Bank of England in a bit of a market startle. So Bank of England, MPC, 7-2 majority vote. They voted to hold rates steady at 0.1%. Uh, short-term rate markets had priced in about a 60 to 65% chance of a 15 basis point rate hike today, um, but they kept on hold, despite the fact that UK inflation was rising, rising fast. In fact, latest forecasts from Bank of, Bank of England's own uh, estimates that were released today are forecasting for 5% CPI by next spring. Um, And then not just the data, you had BOE staff, you had Governor Andrew Bailey himself jawboning a rate hike into markets over the last few weeks, like leading into this policy uh, meeting. Um, And then earlier today, after the decision, he was on Bloomberg saying, you know, the market pricing for rate hikes was the right direction, but overdone. So indeed, it does seem that way. You had, you know, British pound falling more than one and a half percent, but the action was really in the front end of the UK gilt market. Okay, huge repricing with uh, two-year UK gilt yields moving about 15 basis points down. Uh, UK 10-year yields breaking down uh, below the 1% uh, level, about 13 basis points down, both of which, of course, pulled U.S. Treasury yields down. Um, In fact, Bank of England has had more of an impact on the front end of the U.S. uh, yield curve than the FOMC did yesterday. The FOMC itself hadn't actually moved markets that much but you had the rba the reserve bank of australia to start the week ditching its yield curve control um and giving into markets driving yields higher last week 
And then you have the Bank of England defying markets and driving yields lower uh, today. And you have the Fed sort of caught in between those two. Um, I actually have a video about this very subject just released on the um, Real Vision YouTube channel yesterday. So go and check that out on Real Vision's YouTube channel if you haven't seen it yet. And back to you, Maggie. So, Tommy, it seems like with, you know, the Fed being patient, the Bank of England holding steady, it was just risk on and, and equities off to fresh highs. What, what do you what do you make of the move we're seeing in the stock market? Does it feel like it has room to run or is it feeling a little overdone at this point to you? Well, there's a few things that I'm watching right now. Um, I've been thinking that, yes, the market could go a little bit more. I think it's been up 14 days out of 16, which is a bit unique. Um, I'm watching market sentiment. I'm watching some of the DeMarc indicators. I'm looking at some traditional um, overbought, oversold measures, and a lot of things are getting back to the overbought level. The last thing I'm watching is concentration as far as the companies that are uh, doing the most attribution on the way up. So you've had a lot of the mega cap names have um, done the heavy lifting. Um, but it, generally speaking, you've had also the Russell acting well. Yeah. A lot of the meme stocks have done a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, Avis, uh, GME, those have done very well uh, for the Russell. Out, you know, basically an uh, outlier type waiting now for those names in the that index. Yeah, you know, uh, we know the S&P. What about that? I feel like the S&P people have been looking at, the NASDAQ in particular seems to have people a little bit more concerned. I kept hearing people think that the mega cap was overdone, but we've seen so much action, really outsized moves in some of them. Do you feel the same about the S&P and NASDAQ, or are you looking at them differently? When it comes to those well, sentiment indicators you were just talking about. Right. Well, the, as far as the sentiment indicators, I look at a lot of different sentiment polls. Um, one that I have used for a, a number of years uh, is the Daily Sentiment Index from Jake Bernstein. Um, it comes from Jake uh, in a numerical form. I've put them on our site so that we can track them and look at them on a chart basis and see when things get overbought and oversold. And currently, last night's reading, and it'll probably be maybe a tick higher today, uh, the S&P hit 90% bulls, and the NASDAQ hit 91% bulls. That's not just an extreme level over 80%, but that's near peak levels. And it's very rare that you see the sentiment get higher than that. And I'll have the, you know, the people that, that want to say, well, there's 10 more people that can... Um, or 10% more that can uh, turn bullish. And, you know, just to, to put that into some context, I like to see when they get to those extreme peak levels. And in March of 2020, it got down on the S&P to about 4% bulls. And that was a really good inflection point that turned things and, you know, the rest is history. So it's been a, a market, I will admit that it's been, overbought with market sentiment for a while. And markets can stay overbought and oversold uh, for a period of time longer than you sometimes expect. But when it gets to those extreme levels, then that is something to take notice of at over 90%. Um, yeah, now, yeah, so now we're also seeing 
you know, I track DeMarc indicators. We're starting to see a few of the DeMarc indicators uh, trigger. There's still some others that I see maybe four or five days further for those to exhaust, but we're, we're getting overbought here. Uh, we've had a very good run. And the market's kind of forgot some of the bad news over the last week. Apple had a terrible earnings report. They're right back where they were, almost to where they were, uh, you know, before they uh, released their numbers. And Amazon is back to where it was, and their numbers were even worse. So I think people are just, you know, they just jump on things, and regardless of fundamentals, and that's kind of the market we're in. Yeah, this sort of liquidity-driven market, you're seeing bond yields. You know, it, with the Fed, that now it's like, where, where else can we go? I spoke to Peter Bookbar from Blue Advisory Group a little earlier today, and he said the Fed is not only behind the curve, but has, has backed itself into a corner. Let's have a listen to what, what his take was. At some point, we're going to reach a limit here where consumers are going to say, you know, it, 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 it's time I can't handle these, these price increases. I don't think we're there yet. So the demand side on the, from the consumer is still good. Uh, the jobs market continues to improve. We saw that with continuing claims and initial jobless claims uh, that continue to fall. And now consumers are, are as I said, getting more wages. Uh, but it, it's, again, the supply side's not keeping up, but the demand side is still very elevated. And it, it, it's just, so, so to bottom line with, with Powell is, is he is basically saying, I have my fingers crossed that the supply side is somehow going to repair itself quickly because I'm too afraid to negatively impact the demand side mm. via tighter policy because we still have 5 million jobs lost that we had pre-COVID. Yeah. The fallacy with that is, is that the labor market is tight as a drum. And to think that we're going to go back to a pre-COVID employment world is delusional, especially since the participation rate is badly lagging here. And if it hasn't gone up at this point, I don't know what's going to make it go up much from here uh, uh, after, you know, going forward. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And plus, some pro members, uh, subscribers can see that entire interview. Uh, but you're, you, to your point, Tommy, it is right. A lot of people seem to have put the bad news behind. In fact, I think there's a there's a debate right about what's really going on. And the, we know the inflation camp is really loud. What Peter says makes a lot of sense. Roger Hurst, in the big conversation that's airing on Real Vision, is going to look at whether inflation is really hiding a weak economy. There are a lot of cross currents to cut through here. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been sort of in the mix of transitory and structural because I've, I see the labor costs going up. That's not going to come down. Yeah. You know, the, the travel and the used car uh, spike, I think that will moderate over time. It might be already starting to moderate. And there's food things that will go up and may not go back down to where it was you know previously so i'm sort of in the middle of that but i think that the the labor cost uh inflation is i think that's the biggest concern 
um, out there right now. So how so how do we trade through this? How do we invest through this? Because if if you're if you know there's a debate about the growth story. You just mentioned that people looking past the bad news. Apple, Amazon had bad news. Just in in that clip, you were looking at some headlines coming across. We see a few different stocks moving lower, cutting guidance. Maybe some of them have disappointing earnings. Um, looking at Square's net revenue is actually looks like it's coming in light. They're out with earnings right now coming out after the bell, just the headlines crossing. Obviously, we'll have to listen to the call, but is it really a, a, a go-go growth story here for the U.S. economy, for the global economy? Well, I think there's, I, I think there are a lot of companies and sectors that are, you know, running on all cylinders, but I think there's also a lot of sectors and stocks that have just gone way beyond any type of valuation metric that makes sense. Peloton is down 22% right now. They they slashed full year guidance. I'm just kind of looking on my screen there. Yeah. It's the trader in me. Carvana's down, Uber's down. Uh, Uber also out after the close as well. So right. I, I you know I can't really tell, but it's of what happened. Uh, Carvana's they had their numbers squares down. I mean, are these price, are these stocks just priced for perfection? Is that the is that you know is that the issue here? Well, look at look at um, Zillow. Okay, Zillow was down dramatically off its high, just like Peloton was, and when you miss, you have the buy the dippers that think they're buying something half off, get just absolutely crushed and things fall apart. So I think there's some equilibrium that's starting to happen in the market where you're seeing some stocks that were super overpriced are coming you know, back down to earth. And I think that will happen with more sectors and more stocks and big stocks as well that um, have just, you know, you know, dislocated from any reality. Uh, so speaking I think of, that's going to happen. Speaking of, you know, we, we of course we have uh, viewer questions about this because of your longstanding feelings about Tesla. Ralph asking, has Tommy finally covered his Tesla short? Okay, so I, I did cover the majority of my Tesla short. I covered it at 950, and at the time, and that was you know, what is 25 percent ago. Uh, at the time, I I just was like, I'm, you know, I've got to cut risk, and that's what I do. Uh, you know, when you're wrong, you cut risk. And so I did, and I thought, oh God, I'm, I'm covering here at the highs. And then, you know, it just became this crazy gamma squeeze nirvana. And, you know, on 100,000 Model 3s, the lowest margin Tesla with Hertz. And, the, and then Elon came out and said that we haven't even signed a full contract. The Hertz CEO, who, if he doesn't look like a used car salesman, um, I don't know what, you know, the stereotype is. But he was saying, oh, we're already starting to get cars delivered. I mean, nothing really makes sense. But for the stock to go up $400 billion, or I think it's almost $400 billion after that announcement, just is absurd. And okay, fine, I see what's happening. Spot Gamma, who, if you don't follow on Twitter, I think you should, they've been talking about it where this could be a gamma squeeze that could absolutely damage passive investing for years to come. And I, 
I also think that it's not just Tesla. I think it could be the you know the big five mega cap stocks that could actually hurt passive investing because there's so much weight in those. And if let's just say they go sideways, I think that's going to hurt. But Tesla, I think, is really scary because you have a very high concentration of people that let's just say are new to investing this year and they're buying calls and you're they're making all sorts of money and they're you know just following along with what everybody's doing and buying and buying and buying let's just say something comes out that's a little bit on the negative side some regulatory thing with full self driving or ftc who knows what could happen this stock's going to get whacked and think back in january GameStop was a $25 billion market cap and it nearly blew up. And it was funny because it nearly blew up uh, Robinhood and another, you know, a few other right. brokerages, you know, halted buying, you know, buying anymore and just liquidation sales only. And we're talking a much bigger market cap, a lot more money involved. There's a lot more people buying calls not knowing probably the risks that they're taking this is this is something that could be systemic and you know I'm, i may be wrong i may be right yeah. i just i'm looking at it as when you have a very large amount of money market cap of 400 billion which is larger than probably you know i'd say probably 95 percent of all the stocks in the s p that's kind of frightening 400 billion dollars that could just go poof like that and it's just become a little bit too speculative and look i nothing really valuation wise makes sense with tesla nothing it hasn't for a while and yeah i, I was wrong on my you know my short i've made other short you know trades in tesla over the years that worked out pretty well so i'm still necessarily up in the trade but I know when to cut risk, and I did, and um, you know, I still have I a little there. That's a it's a really important cautionary flag to put out, even if you're wrong. What does what does systemic? Do we know what systemic risk or fallout looks like when it's concentrated on an individual stock? I mean, we've seen what happens when a fund blows up, or we have you know the counterparty risk that's associated with that type of situation. Do we know what that looks like with a with a stock, with a high momentum stock like Tesla? I can't really imagine. I, I, I remember when a lot of the financials were blowing up and there was counterparty risk uh, with with the financials. But I think that right now it's you have a stock that's very much loved by retail they're buying calls and the you know the call buying and the charts and everything i put a chart out recently on twitter that is just nuts and it if there's a bit of a hiccup and the gamma squeeze can turn the other way and that to me is a risk that that if it was a smaller company it, it wouldn't matter to me but it the amount of gain that has happened over the last month you know what goes up goes down it it could get it could get dicey and look it could be a brokerage that just gets so off sides where let's just say it gaps down overnight 
And that's kind of what happened with GameStop. It gapped down and didn't let people have the opportunity to get to get out. And they were suckers because they were margined up and boom, they had to sell. And you had a margin call. You had to put money in your account to cover your margin. And a lot of those people just walked away and said, look, I don't have I don't have the money to pay this margin yeah. call. And then guess what? It's on the broker. Yeah. No, no, really excellent points. And this is this is the way things work out. And, you know, you don't you, thankfully we don't see it very often, but it's it's really ugly when it happens. And then you have people selling winners, selling assets elsewhere if they have to to sort of raise the more raise that uh, that capital that's needed. Um, so it's something we'll have to watch. We have a question from Bo. And this is very interesting. Now, how does Tommy feel about Facebook real deal or yet another? D&D, but, but, but let's put off on this one. This is it. And does the Rivian IPO finally give an inarguable comparison to Tesla? So so the Amazon-backed Rivian electric cars, Brian Caputo called out to us, our, our electric vehicle expert behind the scenes at Real Vision. Um, that's going to be super interesting next week, given what we're seeing in Tesla. Is that an alternative? Do you see maybe some of the people who are enthusiastic about that move over? Would you be a buyer? Or are you just staying away from this because of all the sort of risk on activity here? Well, I, I first of all, I've seen the Rivian, uh, the truck and the SUV in person, and they're very, very impressive. Um, they, they've actually taken their time developing these cars and trucks, and they also have a, a larger truck that, that, which might be the real play, is that they're have delivery trucks for Amazon and Amazon owns 20%. I think Ford owns 10 to 20% a lot. And those are really good partnerships for a new automaker. The CEO is very impressive. Yeah. I think this, I think the stock will, you know, go up. Will it be, you know, they want to raise $60 billion. That's a, that's opportunistic. Um, you know, I feel like the guy on Greg on Succession. Yeah, that's opportunistic. You know, yeah, sure. Hi. Yeah, I think it could happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, sure. but I, look, I, you know, people will go to it if it goes up. You know, this is a market that people chase what's working, and yeah. they, if it if it fails on the first day, you're not going to get the same attention. Well, you get negative attention, but I still think that it's going to be a winning company. They're, they're, the reviews for the pickup truck are off the charts good by all the auto reviewers and podcast people that I follow. And so that I think will be very good. You know, I don't think Tesla's going to have their cyber truck out, I don't know, a year, two years. And it's certainly not going to look just exactly like the one uh, prototype that they've, they've shown. So I think that they have an upper hand. And look, they're really expensive too. And there's a lot of people out there that have money, will want to buy an electric truck, and this one's pretty luxurious. So I think it'll do very, very well. I think the company will do very, very well. It'll be very much a growth-oriented company, but I don't think the valuation makes a lot of sense if it's 80 or $100 billion. That's yeah. quite a lot more than some legacy automakers. And Bo was Bo was talking about uh, Ford, not Facebook. I think I said Facebook. Sorry, I have a cold. Um, you got to get out of the metaverse. You're in the metaverse. Yes, yeah. that's, that's that's what happened. I'm getting sucked in. 
Um, yeah. How do you feel about Ford, Real Deal, or, or yet another? Uh, yeah, I, I, they, they I, had that I, big buyback of junk uh, of junk debt today, right? Yeah, I, I like Ford a lot. I, I think the management's great. Um, I bought the stock um, at like five bucks um, when the CEO bought a hundred thousand shares or two hundred thousand shares. You know, he he put his money where his mouth is, and I think that was a really telling, um, a telling thing. And I'm out of the stock right now. Sort of disappointed in myself that I'm not there, but I just I felt it was getting a little overdone. And uh, I just cut myself. I have had this cut on my. Have you ever had <laughs> like, anybody? Like when we say blood, sweat, and tears, we are not. No, joking. it's just. Like, no, I, I got the... this cut. God. I'm of course assuming that it's. I, I'm not. I'm not like. I don't really care when I'm on Real Vision because I'm just who I am. And. <laughs> and we. And so we that's love it. That. I, I didn't that. slit my wrist. I could have been worse. Okay. <laughs> But I've just, I just I I had a mosquito bite and it's just what's happened. So I'm the first really... person ever to bleed on real vision. So I'm real. Okay. Hello. You're real. You're real flesh and blood. You may not you may not be the last, Tommy. Though. I, I, if it goes down my eye, if it goes down my eye, it's going to be like the chiffre of in Casino Royale. And yes. that's or, that would or be Albert like Brooks from Broadcast from... News. If anybody remembers yeah. this way. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to, you know, keep it real. (laughs) We love that. Um, You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. So listen, speaking of um, of names that we're watching, uh, what what are some of the other things that you like? We 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 were talking about we short. We know you don't like Tesla. What do you what do you like in this environment? Because I think that's hard. It's easy to find things that you think are over well, not easy, but it's understandable why you think finding things that are overbought. And, and yeah. what where do you see where you what's interesting to you now? What would you what are you buying? Well, I'm I'm trying to find opportunities that that on pullbacks. And so I've, you know, I bought Pinterest recently um, on the pullback. It went up, came back down. I did trim a little uh, on that, you know, fake PayPal news. Um, and That's then- kind of been a dog. What do you, what do you, what do you look there that you like? I, I actually like PayPal and I just bought some and that's down like 25%. Uh, I'm looking at Deer Caterpillar right now. Those are beat up pretty hard. Uh, I'm long Twitter, but what's that? Cannabis. Cannabis. Let's talk. Okay. So my friend Todd Harrison, um, who runs the best, uh, long, short cannabis focused hedge fund, uh, has, you know, shared some of his thoughts and ideas of what he's posted online. And I think it's getting pretty interesting. MSOS is the ETF of US cannabis stocks that I'm following. And I did get some DeMarc downside exhaustion signals. I bought today a 1% position. I'm not very convicted yet. I'd like to see it break out of the the trend channel that it's fallen into. And it's gonna take a little time, but you know, it's a wild west type uh, 
uh, sector right now that if it works and the growth materializes and they get approval through banking and through states, you know, I think it'll work. And yeah, the banking, I, the banking aspect has always been the, you know, the holy grail for all of that, right? It's right. Hard until they get those banking rules changed. Exactly. And that, and, and JP Morgan just came out the other day and said that their prime brokerage uh, won't allow cannabis stocks with their clients and their portfolios. That I don't think is a good thing, but yeah. maybe they'll be able to work on that and change that opinion um, real soon. I want to circle back to Bitcoin um, because we, I did, as I mentioned in the in the beginning, um, not not unusual during this political season to see uh, the new mayor coming out, sort of taking a cue from uh, from Miami and saying he's going to get paid in Bitcoin. He wants New York City to be a crypto hub. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You were there last night. I mean, the city is hurting and looking for ways to revive itself. But what are we seeing? What are you seeing in the price action in terms of what's happening in Bitcoin? Well, it's been really remarkable. It's gone up um, now in, you know, five waves. Um, we get pullbacks. I get DeMarc signals and pullbacks that, that you know, for Bitcoin, a 20% pullback happens and then it, it moves higher. Um, you know, the market sentiment on Bitcoin recently hit 92% bulls on the daily sentiment index stuff. And, the, and that's actually a new market that they've started to pull investors on so it hit 92 percent it's back in the low 80s now it'll probably be a little lower um today but it's it's starting to top out a little bit um temporarily perhaps and i've said i think the last time i was on i said if it broke through 58 and held that underneath that i think or 58,000, uh i think that's going to be the level that it could you know, you could see a bit of a, a bit more pullback there. Ethereum is actually getting closer to my targets towards 5,000. And you're getting, I don't have a sentiment on that, but Bitcoin and Ethereum basically are the same market sentiment. <laughs> if you like Bitcoin, you're going to like Ethereum as well, I'm just going to say. Uh, but you're going to have some exhaustion signals start to happen there. So we have on a lot of markets, we've got the combo sell uh, signal and then the sequential is still pending so we should have a few more days of that and then you know we'll see what happens november is always a very good year or good month for in the year for um, positive returns so it's very hard yeah. to fight things on the short side so yes i you know i'm bleeding it's awful <laughs> I feel like this is a good time to wrap it up before before we really take it to you, Tommy. But a trooper powering through that. Uh, yeah, I'm the shipro, you know. <laughs> no, we, we appreciate it. And we appreciate all the good insight. Um, and especially the really thoughtful comments on Tesla. Um, feel free to weigh in and leave your comments on the exchange if you disagree or you share Tommy's concerns about that. I think it's a kind of conversation we're going to continue to have. So thanks, Tommy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very available if anybody wants to hit me up um, at Tom at hedgefundtelemetry.com. Um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, I'll I'll respond back to you um, as soon as possible. I'm going out tonight with Tony Greer. We're going to see it. We're going to a concert uh, near here, and uh, it's the first time um, that I can break bread with Tony. Oh, um, that's going to be awesome. What are you going to say? First time in a while, I should say. 
Yeah. What, what's the concert? Anything good? Gary Clark Jr., who Raul loves. He loves him. And I said, well, if you could get off Gilligan's Island and come up here, I've got an extra ticket for you. But, <laughs> you know, he's stuck down there. One his... of these days. One of these days, Tommy. Well, listen, yeah. um, give, give our best. Have a good time, you two. This is a rock and roll weekend for you. Our week. I, I you make it to the weekend. I love it. I'll be asleep at Friday night at like seven o'clock. <laughs> well, enjoy. Enjoy in the meantime. Thanks so much. And right, I you. will be back. Take care. I'll be back on Friday with Stephen Van Meter at 11 o'clock. Remember, payroll's out tomorrow. It could be another market mover. And Jim Bianco is going to be on the daily briefing Friday with Ash Bennington to break it all down. Until then, take care and good luck out there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.